All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Tempered Leadership. I'm your host, Eric Rieger. And today, my special guest is Rob Dubay of Image One out of, it's Oak Park, Michigan, right? That's, That's correct. where you guys are headquartered. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I, I really appreciate you joining me today. This is going to be, for me, a fascinating conversation. Uh, I hope I can entertain you for the next 30 minutes and the audience while we, <laughs> we have this, this chat. Eric, thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to you for inviting me here and for what you're doing with Tempered, Tempered Leadership, this podcast. It's no small undertaking, as you've, I'm sure, found out uh, to put something like this together and bring out ideas and thoughts to the world. So many thanks to you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure. And that's, you know, it's part of my journey that I'm on. Um, I consider this the, the, the giving forward because, as you know, you know, neither one of us would be where we are without other people. And the things that I've learned along the way, I'm still learning. And I've met some amazing people such as yourself. And, and I want to share these, these stories and these journeys and these bits of, of golden nuggets. Uh, if we can cut down uh, on other people's, you know, path to whatever they consider success, you know, that's really what this is all about. And really the reason I was looking forward to this is you and I have a very similar background. Uh, we both started as high school entrepreneurs. Uh, we both had early health issues with anxiety. And uh, I, I think I remember you mentioning like eczema and skin conditions and, you know, just all that angst driven health problems. And then we both had epiphanies at some point that we weren't the people we needed to be. And so, you know, you, you fortunately had it much sooner in life than I did. It took me up, up until I was almost 50 to have that epiphany. Um, but I had some good people around me. Uh, my coach, Doug Diamond, who was the first guest on the podcast, uh, he was the one that encouraged me to get therapy, uh, help through therapy. Um, but let's, let's kind of chat. You, you were the high school entrepreneur. So tell, uh, tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> sure. Well, what did you sell in high school? Uh, there was a store. So I, I wanted to play baseball and I wound up being the chef for the baseball team. So I cooked the hot dogs after the game. That's how good <laughs> of a baseball it. player I was. Uh, so a friend of mine, Ephraim Madrigal, and I, uh, he was kind of the one that put the, the bug in me to go to this place called Cook Brothers, which was in Chicago, still there today. And you could buy all this, you know, dollar, five dollar trinkets and stuff. And so I think you were doing blow pops. We were doing little toy robots. And so we would sell all kinds of just trinket stuff and people started giving us orders. And then, so we'd go once a week, buy a bunch of stuff, put it on a credit card, come back, get cash, pay the credit card, take, keep the rest. And, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. I love stories like that. Those are the best. Uh, yes, you're right. And we, we sold blow pops in ninth grade out of our locker. Joel's uh, my business partner, my best friend, Joel Perlman. Uh, his uncle owned a drugstore, and so he would sell us the boxes of blow pops uh, by the hundreds, and uh, so they were uh, equated to, I don't know, a nickel or so each, and then we'd resell them for a quarter out of our locker, and um, we did that successfully for a short period of time until we got closed down by the principal, um, but like you, I think the entrepreneurial bug had bit us and, and we continued on with all sorts of little ventures through high school and college. And then the two of us ventured out on our own into the real world and started this business out of college. That's, that's 
you know, again, the similarities, um, you know, because after I got done with that little venture, another friend of mine, Dave Otto, his father had a t-shirt business. And so he was a policeman and on the side he was doing t-shirts and he was doing it out of the kindness of his heart. He's, he's like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, uh, but he wasn't making any money doing it. And, you know, he had some of the inventory at his son's house, who was uh, one of my best friends. And so I would go over there and I'd start organizing the inventory, putting labels on the show. He's like, what are you doing? And it's like, this is my dad's hobby type thing. And I'm like, no, we got to get it right. And so I eventually kind of took that over. And that was the beginning of, of what now is Web It Services. We were originally called Titanic Enterprises. And we did it as a joke because we thought the ship would sink surely with the two of us at the helm. <laughs> so, you know, all these years later, it's still floating. And that's, I love uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of um, uh, Joel and I have some other investments. And the first one that we ever did, uh, they mentioned we needed to come up for uh, with a name for it. And so we, we came up with DBI properties and uh, what that stood for was dumb business ideas because we were consistently coming up with dumb business ideas. It was like a hobby of ours. I may steal that. That's a, it's a great name. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> well, so tell, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, the, the health journey because uh, I've, I've heard you speak a lot of times, uh, I've listened to the podcast. You've got a couple different things going with the, the do nothing, which we'll get into later. And then uh, you have another podcast on, on iTunes. Um, but tell, tell me about the, the health issues and, you know, kind of how that evolved into where you're at today. Yeah. So uh, growing up, I had uh, various um, uh, health issues. I had severe asthma. I had some skin issues. I had a heart um, irregularity. And, uh, and, and so that was on the physical side of things. And then on the mental side of things, you know, I was dealing with some family challenges, uh, primarily from my parents' divorce and everything that went along with that. Um, back in those days, it wasn't quite as common as it is now. So the coping mechanisms weren't, you know, readily available. And, you know, I just think um, all that led to, um, you know, a, a predisposition for anxiety as I moved into my adulthood. Um, and so in starting the business with Joel, um, a year later, I got married. A uh, couple years after that, we had our first child. So by the time I was 25 years old, I'd started a business with my best friend. I had gotten married to my best friend. Uh, we had a child together and we weren't making any money at the business, as you may or may not know from you know a startup standpoint, we were oh, yeah. scraping along. And, um, and so it, it, it was definitely um, contributing to that predisposition. And um, as we spoke briefly before we got started, um, I, uh, I, you know, I recognized that, that, you know, it was something that didn't feel right. And um, I needed to seek out some help, which I did. I, I did go to therapy and that was helpful. Um, it didn't really help me to eliminate um, the anxiety so much, but I did have a better understanding of where this was all coming from. And uh, later on, um, I learned about meditation. I was pretty skeptical about it, um, but I decided to give it a try. And um, I found it to be useful for me and uh, been an avid meditator um, ever since. Yeah, that I can I can completely relate to that because I had at the time I didn't realize what a panic attack was, but when I think it was like eighteen or nineteen, I remember just 
all of a sudden I was, I was in the bathroom and I don't know if I was brushing my teeth or whatever. And all of a sudden it just felt like I was having a heart attack. Um, like my chest got constricted. I couldn't breathe. And I was just, and you know, the more you panic, having a panic attack, the worse the panic attack gets. And then that became kind of a frequent thing. And, um, I was working at a, a really stressful job. I wound up lo losing a ton of weight. I was down to about 150 pounds and I'm six two. So that's not a good look. Um, and then, you know, then I, then I coped the other way, uh, you know, as I, I started trying to figure out ways to deal with it on my own overeating, you know, once, once I figured out quitting that job was, you know, part of the problem, uh, then overeating and dealing with depression, which I didn't know I had at the time. Um, you know, and, and I finally wound up going to therapy at the urging of, of Doug, my coach, and through, through that process, realizing that my parents had such a dysfunctional marriage for 47 years, whatever, however long it was. Um, and they just couldn't, they didn't know how to communicate with one another. And I picked up on that. So that was all my relationships had failed because I was not a good communicator. Uh, I dealt with stress by lashing out, you know, there's just all kinds of ugliness. And, you know, that kind of led me to an epiphany through, through the help of those, those people uh, you know, you're not, you're not a leader. You're certainly, you know, you're, you own a company and you're the title president, but you're, you're certainly not a leader. Um, this is what a leader looks like and, and all the parts of that journey and, and really all the problems that I had in the business were a result of me and how I was. And I had to change before anything was going to get better in the business. Um, so it sounds like, you know, you, you found that through meditation, uh, which ultimately led you to write a book about it. <laughs> your your book do when that came out i was like do nothing i'm like i can get behind that movement <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that from a lot of people yeah uh, a little bit of the backstory on the name is i would uh i learned along the journey of meditation uh i learned that that uh for some going on a silent retreat for some period of time could be quite useful and uh, i decided to give that a try uh, although i was quite um nervous about it to say the least um but i found it to, it suited me well and oftentimes when i would get back i would be the subject of curiosity for many people <laughs> what's that like you mean you didn't talk and um one person said to me once you know what do you do do you just sit around and do nothing the whole time and i kind of laughed and i said that's pretty funny and, and my friend said you know if you, you you should write a book and you should call it do nothing and that's kind of where that whole idea started. But he did encourage me to do the book um, because he felt that some of the information that I had shared with him through his own curiosity um, was interesting enough for him as a leader to at least want to know more about. Um, and he felt that sharing the story and some of my personal experiences and how meditation had become useful to me, you know, as a leader, but of course, you know, generally speaking in my life, um, uh, that others might, you know, uh, be interested in that. And maybe it could be useful to them as well, or maybe not. But nonetheless, um, it was enough encouragement that I did decide to go ahead and do it. So what, what was the process of writing a book like? Because I, I started, uh, uh, I've got the skeleton of one done, which is going to be, you know, it, it's, I, I, I'm not going to give the title away just yet, but okay. it's going to be on this path of, of this tempered leadership journey for me. 
um, and sharing my experiences with uh, the health issues and the mental, the mental health aspect of it. Uh, but what was the whole process of, I mean, had you ever written a book before that or was that your first <laughs> endeavor? Or? No, I was actually um, with, uh, we were on, my wife and I were with uh, my family, my kids were on vacation uh, in a home that we have in Northern Michigan uh, over the, over the winter holidays. And generally speaking, we just uh, don't do much, you know, when, when we, do that family vacation. Um, and my wife said, you know, why don't you give it a try? You know, just maybe write a page or two or something, see what kind of flows out, out of your brain. And um, so I sat down and, you know, I, I wrote some things and I didn't really have much of an outline or anything of that nature. So, you know, my first answer to you is uh, just start writing some stuff and just see what comes out and don't worry about it being perfect and see how many pages you sort of end up with. And what I learned is I really didn't have that much. Um, and that meant that if I was really gonna be committed to it, um, I was gonna have to do a heck of a lot more work because the, the body of my own personal experience was far from a book. And, um, and so that's where I started to get into an outline and what kind of useful resources I could provide for people, what other inspirational stories could be out there um, uh, and things of that nature. Um, and so uh, that's, you know, sort of how I got going. Um, and uh, it, it, took, it took a while and it was the hardest thing I definitely have ever done. Well, and then that led to your retreat now that you have, uh, is it, is it yearly? Is it, it's once a year, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just, in, in talking to many of uh, my peers in the leadership community who were interested enough, but would often say, um, there's just no way I could go do that, do a silent retreat for seven to 10 days. It's just too long or I have too many commitments or I'm just not comfortable with that. And I started asking, well, how long could, do you think you could commit to something like this? And um, uh, on average, I got feedback that uh, somewhere around five days was doable, meaning, and then two of those days being travel days. And so um, I thought, well, maybe this could be an introduction for some people who are curious enough about it. And um, that's sort of how I got started, which was a very, which was a very short weekend. And, um, and so I put uh, the Do Nothing Leadership Retreat together. And uh, it's an annual event in the beautiful Rocky Mountains in Colorado outside of Fort Collins um, on a beautiful retreat center. And we bring in some really wonderful people, everybody from a meditation teacher to, um, you know, other leaders of leaders who help us all to, you know, really think about how we can lead with genuine care, uh, with compassion, um, but yet still, you know, grow our businesses profitably and uh, really make a dent in the universe. And, and that's, it's definitely on my list next year to go to, you know, bar, barring the pandemic continuing. On and, wood. And, yeah. <laughs> All right. There we're, we're <laughs> there safe <you> <laughs> now. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, for a couple of reasons, one is I, I think it's, it's the next level for me in my journey of, you know, mental and spiritual health. Um, you know, I, I get up every morning and I do gratitudes. So like, I, I don't necessarily practice what I would call traditional meditation, although there's, you know, everybody does things a little differently. Um, but I, I start by clearing my mind of anything that might be negative and just take, take a deep breath and, and appreciate what I have and what's around me and the people that are in my life now that, you know, have really 
it, it's changed so much when, when you're intentional about this and you, you attract, it's that law of attraction. You bring in the right people and then, and then it just starts to snowball. But you have to start your day, in my opinion, in, in that frame of mind because it sets the tone for everything else that happens. And I know that's that's kind of the point of meditation is to really just you know get yourself in a in a in a good clear frame of mind. What's your, what are your practices? I mean, how do you start your day? Is it is it right into meditation or? Yes. Yeah, so I, I always like to preference preface that uh, question with um, everybody has their own. Uh, way that things work best for them. So my formula or whatever my routine is, isn't necessarily what it would work for you or the next person. And the important sure. thing is just to be open and just find your groove. For me, I do meditate twice a day uh, as a regular practice. Uh, I wake up in the morning quite early and I meditate for 45 minutes and that's how I start my day. And I end my day with a 20-minute meditation. The type of meditation I do is a focused breath attention meditation. And that is where I allow my thoughts to just be without judgment. And when I recognize I'm thinking, I come back to my breath. And the breath is representative of the present moment. And why this is important is because in our everyday lives, we have, you know, as we all know, our minds are pretty busy. Um, and when we have certain things that sort of disrupt our minds, uh, it puts us in a, um, uh, in a oftentimes, an, oh, I'll use the word, ed an edgy space. And we want to mitigate that because we want to show up and be the best for all the people around us, whether we're close with them or, you know, we're not. Well, even if we don't know them, we want to be the best humans. I know we all feel that way. And so what that practice does of just in, in the meditation of recognizing your thoughts without judgment, not trying to solve, coming back to the present moment, using your breath as an anchor, what that does for you is in the course of your day when you're out and about and you're interacting with people and you get that agitation, you can pause. And it's in that moment between stimulus and response where you get a choice. And your choice makes all the difference in terms of how you show up in this world. Um, it makes a difference oftentimes in your own personal happiness and the happiness of those around you. And it's that, it's that millisecond. And that's what you're practicing in the type of meditation that I do. And how has that helped in, in terms of, uh, you know, building your leadership uh, skills? Because, you know, the bigger your organization gets, the more people you're dealing with, the more likely every day you're going to come into contact with somebody who's not having a great day or somebody who's got some challenges in their life. And has that given you better perspective to be able to not overreact to a situation and, and just put yourself kind of in, Okay, you know, like Ari, Ari Weinswig at Zingerman says, you know, when I get furious, I get curious now. And I've, I've taken that to heart of when something upsets me, hold on a minute, take a pause, try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. What's, what might be going on in their life? What may be causing this reaction? Is, is that something that, that you've evolved with as, as you've gotten better at this practice in terms of dealing with other people and, and, and how they, you know, who might not be practicing meditation and who might just, you know, have these little episodes or sparks of 
fury or anger or whatever the day may bring. Absolutely. I mean, in leadership positions, as we, most of us know, uh, it's, it's very much people driven and, um, and people are all unique in their own sort of ways and have all sorts of life experiences that they bring to the table. And it's our ability to listen deeply without judgment uh, to really show up for them and be the best. And that's a hard thing to do. And, and like any professional athlete or musician will tell you, um, their mastering their craft takes an awful lot of practice. And that's time in the gym until midnight or, you know, blisters on your fingers if you're a, you know, performing a pianist, um, a professional pianist. And so same thing with leaders. And this is a craft that we don't often take time to, to, to practice. And so we react a lot. And, um, and reacting isn't usually what is needed. Um, usually what is needed is somebody with uh, a deep sense of uh, presence, um, the ability to listen. And, and as you mentioned with uh, Ari, uh, a deep sense of curiosity. And usually um, those put together will help uh, a conversation go much better um, than, you know, a simple, you know, just simply reacting. And so the practice the, of meditation can, is, is, I have found it to be useful uh, for, for myself, obviously, in, in that regard. And I, I think it's it's so important. Like I, I'm trying to stress this on every episode of of the show that I'm doing is that self care is like one of the top things a leader needs to focus on because if you're not in good shape, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to you know help lead people. And you know, for me, a couple of years ago is really when that journey started. You know, first with the mental health aspect of it, and then also the physical because you know once you hit 50, you don't rebound. <laughs> from your weekend warrior projects like you used to. Uh, and, and so I, I, was, I was gaining weight like crazy, not taking care of myself. And then I, I, I bought the new map, which has been like a, a lifesaver for me. And it, it focuses on the psychological aspect of why we eat, uh, how we gain and lose weight, how we build muscle mass. And you know, I, I managed to lose 35 pounds in the course of about eight months. And it, it just started with the mental clarity too, because when I first started tracking things, I mean, I was eating four to 5,000 calories of, of, you know, not healthy food every day. And you figure how much of that stuff goes into your brain. And then if, you know, your nervous system and your, you talk about anxiety and all those things. So that those two pieces, the mental and physical well-being of of every leader i mean there should just be required classes in every company <laughs> for leaders to take care of themselves and understand it's not about putting the company on your back and you know charging forward it's about you've got to be your best self every day or as close as you can in order to do any good in the world and and to do any good for the people that you're serving you're you're so right about that and one uh practice that i've found quite effective, especially when I feel, um, when I start to feel a little on edge, maybe during a conversation, is something that's called just like me. And uh, as I look at the person, I'm thinking about them in that they're just like me, and they want all the same things in life, which at its core is we really just want to be happy, we want to be loved, um, we want to be safe and secure. And so, 
they ju they're just like me and we're no different. And so when we can level set like that, uh, I think it makes a big difference in our conversation. The second thing I wanted to share with regards to um, your own personal experiences and how we set ourselves up to be our best each and every day, uh, which is a routine, um, as, as you've mentioned. Um, one thing that we talk about at my company at Image One is what we call the simple six. And these are six things uh, that we've all kind of come together and, and determined uh, are uh, things we all know we want to do better with and we know we'll be better when we do better with them, but they're, for some reason that's simple to do all these things. And, they, and when you hear them, you'll shake your head and you'll say, yes, of course. And so the first one, what we start with at Image One is a really good mindfulness practice. So whatever that means to you, um, it, it's starting with your ability to come into the present moment and be fully aware as often as possible. Um, the second is sleep. And we all know the difference between a good night's sleep and a bad night's sleep and how we show up uh, when we have a good night's sleep. The next is, as you mentioned, nutrition, uh, then movement, connection, and gratitude, uh, something that you also mentioned. And so when we can be 80% good at those, because we're not looking to be perfect, that's not realistic for, the, for most people, but if we can be 80% good at those, we're gonna have 80% of our time and our days are gonna be pretty darn good. And, and that's a great ratio. Um, and who knows, maybe you'll even tip and go over 80%. But your mindfulness practice sets you up to, to uh, help you recognize where you're off kilter. So <clears throat> you may have a day where you didn't have a, a good night's sleep and you're struggling, and, but you, you're not, you kind of forgot that you didn't have a good night's sleep and then another uh, night where you had a, not a good night's sleep and so on. And there's a point where you become aware where you say to yourself, whoa, I haven't had a good night's sleep in like four nights. But what if you could cut that off on the first night and say, okay, I didn't have a good night's sleep last night. I don't want this to continue. I'm making it a priority tonight to get a good night's sleep because you're fully aware and you may even uh, make decisions like I'm supposed to go out to dinner with my friend, with my buddies or my friends and I'm actually going to pass on that because getting a good night's sleep is more important for this particular moment. So those are the sorts of decisions that you can start to become more aware of and hopefully make better choices. And hopefully that helps you to show up just a little bit better. Yeah, and that's, that's a perfect example of, you know, kind of when I mentioned I was on the new map and the psychological right. aspect of it, it, it's training you to make better choices and understand that there are consequences to decisions we make every day. And in the IT space, you know, it's, it's not a nine to five job you know, technology problems. If, if somebody could figure that one out, make them happen within the hours of <laughs> nine to five, boy, you'd make That'd a lot great. of engineers happy. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm sure you know this, it's, it, it just doesn't work that way. And a lot of times, you know, especially the younger people, they think they can just, you know, function on three hours of sleep. I was one of those people for the longest time. And sleep is such an important part of overall health, because that's when the body does its restoration. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they just, they miss out on that. And then all of a sudden you get into your forties and your fifties and you're sleep deprived for decades. 
and it catches up to you pretty quickly. <laughs> it sure does. So that's, that's all being intentional. And, and, you know, I, I love, I love the, where this conversation has landed us because it's, it's, I mean, this is everything. When you, when you couple that with an organization that has a purpose and a mission and a vision that people, you know, where their heartstrings are attached to, and then you give them this path for helping them to be the best selves, you know, people talk about pro being productivity and efficiency experts. Like this is the secret sauce right here. You have to, you have to give people the platform to, to have the opportunity to be their best selves and then connect to that purpose. And it's, it doesn't get any better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I completely agree with you on that. And uh, that's one of the, you know, uh, gifts and responsibilities that we have as leaders. I mean, we've been put in this position some way, somehow throughout our career, our life's experiences, and we can't squander it. Um, you know, the, the little actions that we do um, can make a really big difference one way or the other. A small thing that we say to somebody can derail them for a week and that can derail their entire family unit. Um, and we don't think anything of it. Um, that's because sometimes we're just asleep, you know, not in the literal sense, in the figurative sense. Um, by being more aware, more present, um, and more mindful, uh, we can do less of that and more of those little things on the other side that lift people up instead of drag them down. Well, and here, here's another uh, in interesting epiphany I had is I, I'm, I, I'm a big reader. I, I love to read books. I dive in and, you know, the leadership stuff is, is you know, business books and self-improvement. Um, I, I love a lot of the work Patrick Lencioni has done. Um, and, and I think it was the, the, the book, The Decision. Um, and, and they talk about, you know, as, as the organization gets bigger, the job of the leader gets harder. And, you know, it, it's that almost that concept, embrace the suck, you know, the, the, as things get tougher, your job's going to get harder as you get bigger. And like my original impression of this is as we grew the business and had more people to do things and I had less to do and my job would get easier and it'd be like, you know, you start at the tail end, you're just coasting. And it's like, no, you have all these people to take care of now. And you have to have a culture to maintain. You have a vision, like all the things that are, are, just beyond the X's and O's. And it's like when, you know, reading that and rereading it again, just as kind of a reminder of, no, your, your job, you're the one that's going to have all the hard conversations. You've got to step in. And, and uh, I was watching something, uh, a video of Simon Sinek. I, I binge watch him at night sometimes. Uh, just if, if I'm a little low on inspiration, I'll just 30 minutes of Sinek and I'm, I'm right back in the groove. <laughs> And, you know, he's talking about, you know, leaders aren't in charge. We're, we're, we're in the care of those in our charge. And, you know, all these things, it's like, man, the, the, the leaders, you, you've really got a lot on your plate, even if there's no functional piece of like, you're not in sales, you're not in marketing, you're not in engineering, you're not doing those things. It's like, but you're, you're responsible for making sure all of that stuff grows and the people within your charge grow and, I mean, it's a lot. It becomes, <laughs> it becomes a pretty big weight sometimes, which is why I think these types of conversations with other leaders and developing a, a peer network, because you can't, you, a lot of times you can't just sit down and have a, a conversation like this with somebody who hasn't been in that role with those types of pressures and responsibilities 
and, and, you know, like they can empathize with you, but I don't necessarily think they can relate because they haven't had to sign, you know, the, all the things that they own on a piece of paper to guarantee if the business fails, like you're giving up all your stuff to pay the creditors. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. So, uh, you know, I mean, have, have you had those moments during your journey where the weight kind of starts to come back? I, and I, For certain. Um, that said, uh, through the uh, great mentorship of people like Jack Stack, who you mentioned, and Ari Weinsweg, uh, Paul Spiegelman, um, and so many others that I'm forgetting to mention at this time, um, I learned that really my job is to teach and empower. Um, and so for me, I don't think much about the about things like weight of or signing away or things of that nature. Um, my mindset is how can I teach and empower today? What can I do to help with the wisdom, what little wisdom that I do have? And how can I get out of the way? Because, you know, Jack for sure taught me how smart people are once they understand the business and the tools. Um, and then we just oftentimes as leaders, we just get in the way. We control things. Um, you know, we, we want to have a say, you know, to the 10th power. Um, and our ability, I think, actually to get out of the way. And yeah, sometimes people are going to make mistakes. And that's a good thing, actually. Mistakes are encouraged um, because obviously people learn from that and they, they don't want to make mistakes. So, you know, they won't make it again in the future. Um, and, and Jack has a lot of great stories about empowering people. I know one that was told to me uh, was about a woman who uh, thought she was going to have to leave the company because her husband had been transferred to another state. Uh, she w- was sad about that. Um, she had an idea and she went to Jack and said, I have this idea. We're moving to this state. I think we can open an office. And she started to go into this whole thing. And Jack said, enough. I have no idea if it's a good idea to open an office in that state. I have no idea. If you all think it's a good idea, then go ahead and do it. And then he said, and then she said, yeah, I just want to make sure I run it by you. And he said, I can't answer. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't, you know, and, and I love that story. I always think about it myself because um, that's real empowerment. You know, he, he's just saying, go do what you think is right. And maybe it won't be, and maybe it will be. Um, but at the end of the day, the entire experience will make it right, whether it worked out business-wise or not. I think that's, that's another important key aspect of leadership is, is providing as safe an environment as possible for the people that, that you know, work for the company, um, you know, and, and let them know that it's okay to make mistakes. You know, m- mistakes of effort are always forgivable. Like if somebody's trying their hardest and they just, they, they just missed, um, you know, it's, it's the ones that the app, you know, they're like, they just, eh, you know, that those are a little bit harder to, to have to deal with, but then you got a bigger problem usually when, when you've got apathy setting in. 
Um, and that's, you know, uh, I remember, you know, when the, in going back to Jack Stack, you know, the initial part of the book, when I was, when I was referring to kind of like the weight of it, you know, when he first got down to Springfield and people were coming, like, should I hold off getting married? Should I not buy the house? <laughs> and I, like, I was reading the book and I started getting anxiety just reading, like, cause I can imagine people coming to me going like, I have major life decisions. What do you, what do you think I should do? And it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm the least qualified person in the room to answer that, but that's, right. that's that's part of that leadership is, you know, that, that was where I think he had his epiphany of, you know, this, this business thing can't be that hard. If, if everybody here knew the rules, if everybody understood how things work, people are smart, they want to participate. All we got to do is show them the, the way and you, you hit it on the head, get out of the way. I was the biggest roadblock in our company because I'm a perfectionist. Well, I'm, I should say I'm a recovering perfectionist, kind of like <laughs> Ari's a lapsed anarchist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And, you know, like you, you have to come to terms with people are going to do things differently than you. And the outcome might not be exactly, you know, but if they're, if they're, you know, generally delivering for the, the, the people we serve, it doesn't, the, the mechanics of it, not as important as, as just getting to the end result and, and letting people be creative. Let them, let them solve the problems with the, the, the gifts that they've been given. You hired them for a reason. That's right. <laughs> Get out of their way. So that's right. Good advice. Well, we've, we've uh, already gotten a half hour into this and uh, I, w- I want to be respectful of, of your time and the listener's time. Sure. Um, but I, I would love to have you come back as many times as you'd want. Cause I think we could, we could knock out a half hour, you know, and, and pretty much any topic. Um, but let's, uh, I want to, in closing a couple things. So how, how can people get your book, do nothing? I, Amazon, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. Amazon always. And uh, you can go to do nothing book.com and it, everything you need is there and feel free to contact me. And I mean that genuinely from my heart. I love hearing from people. And if you have any questions or curiosities, let me know. Um, and I will definitely respond. And we have some good downloads there too, which are helpful both on meditation and the simple six. And, and the link to the podcast, to, to the Do Nothing uh, recordings is on that, on that website That's as well, right. right. Yep. The podcast recordings are there as well. And then you have another podcast on iTunes, is it? Yeah. So my podcast- You're a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really just one podcast. It, it was the Do Nothing podcast, which okay. um, we just rebranded and it's called um, Leading with Genuine Care. Uh, okay. The, the Leading with Genuine Care podcast. See, here I thought I stumbled on something and, and there were two different paths and I was like, oh, here, here we go. I got, you know, 9,000 hours of more downloads to- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all the same and it's all in the same place. So no, okay. no problem there. Yep. And then what about the, the retreat? So now I know the 2021 plans are still up in the air, but you said you may have some dates in mind. Yeah. And then how, how can people like get on a waiting list or get information or where, where, where is all that fun stuff at? Yeah. Just go to the website. Uh, it's next year in August. Um, if all things, you know, are able to, to take place safely and, and keep everybody healthy and, um, you can just feel free to shoot me a note and we'll get you on the list. And, uh, I hope it all works out next year and, uh, but we'll see what happens. 
And I, and I hear that if, uh, if this does happen and I'm there, uh, there's going to be a pool of, you know, over and under on how long I can actually go without talking. Because uh, there's, there's nobody, there's, I have yet to find anybody that knows me that thinks I could go like two hours, much less two days <laughs> without saying a word. So this, is, this will, is a personal challenge for me I, now. I will say this, you are not alone. So the, the, <laughs> I'm sure the bets will be flowing, but the, without fail, by the the end, every single person says that was not nearly what I thought it would be in terms of its difficulty. And I wish it was at least two more days. That's, yeah. that's the common theme. <laughs> I, 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 I can totally believe it. I mean, the setting, first of all, and then the, the, the quality of the people that you're bringing in. Um, it's, it's, it's an experience that I, I imagine will be on my yearly uh, agenda as you know we, we have these conferences and things we go to right and that's you know that's a perfect time right before the fall conference season gets kicked off so I'm really looking forward to it I hope uh, everything pans out and uh, Rob uh, thank you so much for for taking time out of your day to join us and uh, you know we we really appreciate you sharing the wisdom and uh, your story and uh, the website is do nothingbook.com Yep. Uh, so check it out, get his book, uh, sign up for the retreat, and uh, you can come and watch me not talk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me, Eric, and thank you for sharing your wisdom as well. I, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, it's, an, it's an honor and a pleasure. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Tempered Leadership. Uh, make sure you subscribe on whatever your favorite platforms are, and we'll see you again in a week. Have a, a great rest of your day, morning, evening, whatever time it is where you're listening from. Thank you. <laughs>